Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So in today's episode, I'm going to be answering some of my Patreon supporters' questions. One of the things that I like to do as a small thank you for people who decide to support me on Patreon is answer one of their questions as a podcast, blog, or video. So today I've got four questions that I'm going to um, sort of talk about, and at the end I'll let you know how you can support me and how I can answer your questions too. So the first one wanted me to explain how do you manage a relationship when one or both people in the relationship suffer from a mental illness? So I I have various issues and I know that it causes a decent amount of friction in every relationship that I have. The, the best way that I've found to address this sort of issues with mental illness is basically through open and honest communication. It can be embarrassing at the start and, you know, it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit challenging to get into it, but the best way is to just express to the people that you're close to. So for example, my wife, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm bad at. This is what I don't know. And obviously this requires a lot of introspective ability. I'm constantly thinking about what I can and can't do. And then I'm expressing that to my partner and saying, Hey, sometimes I struggle with this. Sometimes I struggle with that. This is what I'm good at. When I'm in a bad place, this is what I can't do. And this system isn't perfect. Don't get me wrong. There's always little clashes and misunderstandings and sort of little little issues that we have. But ultimately, I do my best to explain to her and to everyone that if I say or do something that seems offensive or might have been taken the wrong way or I acted a bit abruptly because I was, you know, for whatever reason due to the issues that I have, to let them know that it's it's not because I don't care about them. It's not because I'm trying to do it. It's not because I'm trying to hurt them. It's because I am suffering at the moment. That being said, I still make sure to, if I do do something that causes some offense or, you know, let's take a few examples. Like if we're at a party and I start to have a bit of a panic attack and have to leave, leave early. That would cause my partner or whoever I'm there with some distress in the sense that they might be enjoying the party, but now they have to deal with my issues. Or for example, maybe there's a miscommunication that's come about because I'm ruminating and I'm sort of, you know, stuck in my ruminations and that causes me to miscommunicate and sort of have a bit of a conflict there. Or for example, maybe I'm not thinking straight and I act a little bit sort of a bit abrupt or a bit aggressively or a bit short. And there's multiple examples of this, or you know, maybe I forget something or, you know, your mental illness and the symptoms that follow from it will be different. But the point I'm trying to get is, is I make sure to suggest that it's not intentional. I'm not intending to hurt the person. I explain to the person why I'm feeling this, what, you know, what I'm feeling and how that makes me feel and how, how it impacts what I can and can't do. I express to them that I'm very much trying to you know, take actions in the moment to keep, you know, keep the peace and keep going. And I also suggest or re-emphasize what I'm doing over the long term to show that I'm trying to improve. So for example, I'm doing XYZ in terms of self-care, I'm seeing a therapist, if maybe you need medicine, etc. On the other side of things, I also make sure to explain to my partner as well as the people around me what I'm good at and what I'm bad at and sort of let them know my limitations prior to starting things. So in the past, I didn't do this and people would expect me to do things that 
I just simply couldn't do. And that causes obvious issues because if you expect someone to be able to do something, something that maybe people can sort of just handle and do, and due to your mental illness you can't, there's going to be some friction there. So once again, open and honest communication. So an example with me, in the past at least, has been, for example, telephone calls. I still struggle with it to this day. It it causes issues and I just... It, it causes me a lot of anxiety to be on the phone and making plans, and it just it's just gets to me. It's one of these little things. So what I try and do is now suggest to my partner and to my mum and to everyone that would call me, like, hey, I'm not a big fan of telephone calls. I prefer to talk in depth in person or via text message. I will talk to you on the phone, but just know that it's going to cause me anxiety and duress and that the reason I seem a bit tentative or a bit abrupt or a bit you know, not liking the experience is because I'm not liking the experience. So it's sort of like through the open and honest communication, I will work a work around and go, well, we can still have this com- communications and discussions and all that sort of stuff, but let's do it in a way that suits both of us. On the other side of things, I do do my best to listen with open and um, sort of care and concern when someone like my partner or my mum or someone will suggest to me, it's like, hey, when you do this, this upsets me. And then it's just about just just talking it through. I can't I can't suggest I can't um, emphasize that enough. Just open and honest communications both ways. Hey, I can and can't do this. Hey, this is how it made me feel when you did this. In both ways, it's it's vital that you do address things when they come up because you know a lot of people, particularly you know in my past, I, I can only talk from my own experience, but people will sort of close themselves off or sort of expect the other person to just get it. As in, for me, I might sort of like think that I seem upset or think that I seem depressed or think that it's obvious that I'm suffering, but the other person can't see that. They can't see it on my face or they're not reading or they've got their own issues or whatever. And I'm there stewing going, oh my God, why can't you see that I'm suffering? And they don't realize that. And that that's just, it's, it's falling on my my behalf because if I don't express to someone how I'm feeling, I'm expecting them to be a mind reader, and most people can't read minds. Most people can't tell how you're feeling just by looking at you. And I know that a lot of people that I've spoken to that have mental health issues, they will say that they hide it. They'll say that they cover up their mental health concerns. They'll say that they'll, you know, put on a brave face. So if you take those two combined, you can't expect the people around you to just get how you're feeling unless you tell them. It's it's not realistic to have, to expect someone in your life to just know you, quote, know you so well to, that you that they can read every mood of you. And even if they can, you're, you're, not only, you're not only expecting them to read that mood, you're then expecting them to take actions on that mood. And it, it's just, it's just, it's not realistic. So I'll reemphasize, if you've got a mental illness in your relationship, be as open and honest as possible. Obviously, there's some issues with this and, you know, you have to trust the person and you have to have the ability to communicate. And this is going to lead me into the second question, so I'll sort of address it there. But the way you can start to develop, I'm going to sort of, we'll get into the next question basically and we can, we'll sort of flow up from there. The second question is, I'm struggling to get my thoughts out and express myself to the people around me, particularly when I'm going through, you know, deep levels, anxiety or depression. This one is a big one for me, and it sort of relates to the previous question, as you can tell. When I'm in a bad mental place, I know that my ability to communicate 
drops, I struggle. And if you look back over some of my past um, podcasts, there's one, there's a few that I did, what I think it's called what anxiety feels like and what depression feels like and what grief feels like. I recorded them at the time that I was suffering those things. And you'll hear that my tone of voice, my cadence, the words that I use, it's just, I'm, I've got a flat disposition. I'm struggling to get what I'm trying to say out. That's me trying to talk to a computer screen. But when I'm talking to someone in person, it just makes it a whole bunch worse. It's so much harder to talk. Why? Because it's it's in real time. It's a, you know, you're reading all of the body signs. There's, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, their thoughts, their feelings. And it just becomes this overwhelming rumination sort of issue. So once again, I would suggest that if you do struggle with this, let the people you you care about and that care about you know that you struggle and say, hey, I'll be feeling like when you're in a good place, plan for the bad times. Yeah. So when I'm in a good place, I'll say, hey, like, you know, when I'm when I'm struggling, I struggle. I, when I'm in a bad mental place, I can't talk. I can't express myself like this. I know that I feel like this. I know that this happens and I know this helps. I know this hurts, et cetera, et cetera. But at the time, I may not be able to tell you much of any of that. I found that it's a good thing to almost have like a like a code or just a couple of words or even just something like, hey, I'm struggling right now. Remember the conversation. If you can just get those words out, then that will hopefully let the person that, that cares about you know, oh, okay, he's in this time, he's in this mental state. And also make sure you let the person know that you won't be able to express yourself necessarily or talk at the time, but let them know that they can come to you after the fact. Let them know that they can say, hey, you know, remember a couple of days ago when you were struggling, I just wanted to just touch base and sort of clarify a few things because you've got to understand that although you might be feeling better, they will still be worried about some of the things that you've said or how you felt or what you were acting, you know? It's, it's, it's even though you might be feeling better, they might have some unresolved things that they need to address. So if you struggle to get your thoughts out in the moment, do those things. Over the long term, I would strongly suggest that you speak to a therapist. I see a therapist once every month and then more if I need it. There are there are free options available depending on where you're from, but also there's some free ones online and there's also text options online. There's self-help groups that you can join, um, subreddits that you can check for whatever condition you've got. I've even got a um, group for a support group called um, How to Get Your Shit Together and you can find that through my Facebook page. Basically, there's this support out there that you can start sharing and talking about the things that are going on. If you don't want to talk with any actual people, I'm a massive advocate of writing therapy. Just get a pen, get a page, and just free write. Put your thoughts out of your brain onto the page and express yourself. Does that sort of make sense? The page listens. It doesn't judge, and when you're done, you can throw it out. You don't even need to reread it. It's all just about getting it out on the page. And the more you talk, the more you practice expressing yourself, the better you will be in the moment. You're never going to be perfect, but no one is. Okay, so third question. What if your illness cannot be changed? What if there's no cure? What do you do? So this question came about because I'm a, I'm a very strong believer in people taking action. So let's say your issue is depression. This, this person has an issue that's a bit more locked in, a bit more extreme, a bit more sort of harder to treat. If you've got something like a depression, you can still take action to minimize the symptoms. You can take action to look after yourself. For example, like I said, seeing a psychologist, seeing a psychiatrist for medication, joining self-help groups, you know, getting support out there, starting to exercise, dieting, etc. And yes, I know that the symptoms of depression, trust me, I've, I've been there. I know that they can 
really limit your ability. But I also know, and I know that you know, that when you are suffering, there is still things you can do. Those things might be quite a lot more reduced, but you can take action. For example, let's say you're suffering and you could choose. You have the willpower to get up and have a shower, or you could choose not to. You should take the choice to, 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 to help yourself. Yeah, like even if having that shower is the only thing you can do that day, is the only thing you can manage to do for yourself that day, that's still a win because you've still attempted to do the best that you can do on that day. So regardless of what you're suffering from, there will be a a range of things that you can do. Yeah, there'll be a range of things that you can take action to. And that range will be different. And that rate for every person, it will be different for you on each day. So when I'm on a good day, I can just do so much. But when I'm suffering, like I said, like having a shower, that's a struggle. But on those bad days, if I can have a shower, I count that as a win. It's about working out where you are and taking action to get a little bit more improvement from there, however small. And it could be, you know, you might not be able to cure your condition, but you might be able to take action to minimize the pain, minimize the suffering. Maybe to explain, to talk to your relationships and that sort of stuff like we've addressed in the previous questions. But let's say you can't take action or you've done those actions and you're still suffering. Well, if you've got a condition or a life circumstance, for example, someone's passed or someone's broken up with you or you've you know, had an injury or an illness and it's debilitated you, you have to work on acceptance. I know that's a hard pill to swallow and you know, it, it's not fair. So many things happen to different people that are just, you know, life isn't fair and it, it sucks. I get that. But you can work on attempting to accept your current life circumstance for what it is. Something that we all will go through will be getting old. Okay, that's the thing that we're all going to have to deal with. And when you get old, your physical body declines, your cognitive capacity declines, and the people in your life start to pass. So, you go from being a healthy, competent, capable adult to losing the ability to think as quickly, move your body as functionally, and you start losing your social life. This is going to happen to all of us. So it's something that we need to start planning for, or at least considering what we're going to do. All of the research that I've looked into suggests that the best way to deal with that change is through acceptance of where we currently are. So for example, let's the example, the prime example was of a composer who's getting old. No, no composer, sorry, a piano player. Let's say you like playing piano and you've got a, an amazing repertoire, you know, you, you, you just, you know, hobby, professional, whatever. As you get older, you're going to have to really consider the pieces that you're going to play because some of those pieces might just be too taxing on your body or they might be too hard to remember. Yeah, you'll have to adapt your playing style. So let's say you can't play as fast anymore. What you could do is to sort of trick the listener, you could slow the play style down just before you, there's a fast bit. So it seems as more sped up than what you're actually able to do. Does that make sense? So you slow it down and speed it up. If you're into exercise or some sort of physical thing, you'll have to adapt and change that to your current position. If you've suffered a car crash and lost a leg, you're going to have to change and accept where you are. Something that I've really had to deal with is just accepting my current position. This is what my brain is like. This is what my brain does. This is what I'm capable of. This is what I'm not capable of. Because for a long, long time, I would 
try and go, well, I wish I could do this and I'll put myself in situations and accept things that I just shouldn't because I'm just not capable of it, right? But I would want to be and my belief that I should be in a different place, my lack of acceptance of my my mental state, my current position didn't gel with what I was able to do and it caused this friction and it ended up causing more problems in my life. So now I've learned to attempt to accept where I'm at. This is not easy. And, you know, the question obviously is now, well, how do I just accept where I'm at? It's a long process and there's no real straight answer for it other than I've definitely found that writing therapy helped, talking therapy helped, and meditation has helped. Particularly meditation because it gets you, not only does it help to address the physical and mental symptoms of a lot of issues, it also helps you to accept the current situation. Where am I right now? Now, you might find that where you are right now isn't somewhere where you want to be, but that's okay. It at least puts you into the present moment and gives you the impetus to start fighting and start taking action. There's definitely conditions that are more easily treated than others, but given the way technology and medicine is advancing, there is always future hope. There's always new technologies, new treatment options that are out there and available. What you need to do is to keep pushing the experts in your life, your therapists, your doctors, etc., to keep trying to help you and to keep looking for that. And if you don't like what you're getting told, if you think that more could be done, if you've looked into it yourself and you're like, hey, what about this treatment option? And they don't like that idea for you and you want more, you take charge of your your condition, you take charge of your treatment and get a new therapist. I've switched psychologists maybe five or six times and same thing with a couple of different psychiatrists because I didn't trust them because I thought they could do a better job, because I'm like, well, what about this and this? And they couldn't really answer me. And because I didn't like a couple of them, like we just didn't connect um, on a personality level. If you feel like you're not getting the right treatment, take as much action as you can to get the right treatment. Reach out for support online. There's so many different options you can do there. Okay, so final question. This question wants me to address a brain injury and how society places too much emphasis on perfection, as in what even is perfection. So just a quick backstory, the person that submitted this suffered a traumatic brain injury after falling off a three-story building, and has since struggled to find work and has been discriminated against because of his brain injury. So to address this question, I need to come at it from two angles, both from your perspective and both from the business owner's perspective, but you'll see that my, my answer links up. The basic response is you need to keep searching until you find a workplace that understands your condition and is happy to put you into a position that you are capable of performing and that one that you also will enjoy performing yourself. So that way you get the best bet from both perspectives because given the disability that you have, there will unfortunately be some things that you just simply can't do. And that's, you know, that's unfortunate and it's not fair, but it would be unfair to put you into a position that would put you out of your depth and do things that you're not capable of. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience. When I get put into tasks that I'm not capable of due to either my inability or my mental issues, it becomes overwhelming and I can't do the job properly. And I'm left feeling frazzled and unhappy and so is the boss. 
So I've made it a, a sort of a mission in my life to make sure that I'm only doing the work that I want to do and that I can do. And that way I'm happy and my boss is happy because from their perspective, they're paying money and they need to get a job done. So they want to make sure that they can, you know, earn money and stay prosperous. And if people aren't doing the job that they're employed to do, they need to find a employee that can do that job. However, with there will be jobs that you are capable of doing. Now, I'm not 100% sure of your exact circumstances and the jobs that you've tried and that you haven't tried, but what I would suggest would be, you know, deep level introspection, start really considering what you are capable of and what you like, and maybe consider talking to your doctors about it as well, saying, hey, what are some good options for me to do? From there, you'll be able to narrow down your search to different fields or industries that you are capable of working in, and from there, work out what the best employers are, because you'll find that there are some employers that sort of strive to be as inclusive as possible and will strive to and be proud of and be happy to support someone with acquired brain injury, because they'll be like, hey, this is this is something you can do. They'll match you up. They'll make sure you can work and they'll be all supportive. Unfortunately, I know that there is a lot of places that won't be supportive and won't care and will just use and abuse and fire you because they just won't be accepting. That's an unfortunate fact of life, but you can you can mitigate that by taking some action to best set yourself up for success, which is in this case going through the process of finding a workplace that matches what you're capable of. And a, a good option to do that would be potentially speaking to a a like careers advisor or careers counselor that specializes in people with acquired brain injury or disability in general. Addressing the second part of the question, you know, what is perfection and does society place too much emphasis on perfection? This is a bit more esoteric, but, you know, not necessarily related to mental illness itself, but I'll still, I'll still want to go into it because I think it's interesting. Perfection is, in my opinion, subjective in the sense that, you know, someone might be perfect at one aspect of their life, but a complete failure in another aspect. And, you know, like if you think of the best sports players they're you know quote perfect on the on the pitch or as close to perfection as you can be but you hear story after story of how they're completely morally challenged off the field or how they've lost their money or you know a whole raft of other issues i think that perfection should be a goal that you aim towards so let's say for my writing i know that's impossible for me to be perfect but i will aim there i'll aim to reach there, allow him to improve, to get to a position of perfection. It's impossible for me to get there, but it's something to strive towards. And, you know, it's it's not about being perfect as in the overall perfection, as in the best writer ever, but it's making it as perfect as I can be for who I am and the situation that I'm in right now. So if you if we bring it right back to the the idea of, you know, what you can do when you're depressed about or, you know, affected by mental illness in terms of, you know, maybe getting up and having a shower as a win. When you're in that mental state, having that shower might be, quote, a perfect day given the circumstances that you can go for. Yeah? Does society place too much emphasis on perfection? Well, I mean, look at look at advertising. Look at how, quote, perfect the people that are 
that are that are in our advertisements are touched up to be you know perfect bodies perfect face perfect personalities perfect everything and it's it sets an unrealistic expectation of the real people that you know you you me everyone out there it's impossible to live up to those standards you might have the body but you might not have the personality or you might have the personality but you might you know be struggling with certain issues or you might not have the right house or you know there's there's so many different things and it's just impossible to meet the perfect perfectionism that advertisements would have you hunting you know you just you just can't do it and it's important to remember that what you see on tv what you see on movies what you see sort of projected to you is curated as in there's a bunch of people that are going well let's make her skin tone this color let's let's have her hair slightly this way let's have her pose this way let's touch her up in this way let's have her wearing these clothes let's have her say these words let's have her move in this way none of that's real it's 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 a fiction it's a it's an elaborate hoax to get you to look and be enthralled same thing with social media to a lesser extent most people only post the stuff it's that they want to project the world that shows their best angle it's it itself is curated you know like are you going to post a bad picture of yourself or a good picture are you going to post one with a good angle or a bad angle are you going to write some good stuff or bad stuff whatever you post online is itself curated yeah so you're doing it as well this is this is fine it's what we all do but what it means is that when you're looking at these things you've got to be aware that what you're seeing only shows a certain aspect of of the of reality it doesn't show the the nitty gritty it's sh- it's showing sort of a a sort of a better than average view and it sort of makes you feel like we all need to strive for this perfect life this perfect body this perfect look this perfect personality this perfect mental state this perfect job career etc etc the way that i deal with that is back to the acceptance thing it's just this is who i am this is where i'm at now this isn't to say i'm not going to aim and strive and try and grow because i will but at least this is where I'm at now. So I hope this has answered your questions for those that wrote these ones in. And basically, I want to just throw it out there to everyone. If you're enjoying what I'm doing here, if you can afford to contribute to this podcast, if you think you want to support me, please do so. Head over to patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips. All I'm asking for is a $1 monthly contribution. On your end, it'll be unnoticeable. $1 per month, you'll not even realize that it's missing. But on my end, if a bunch of you guys get together, it will add up and it will enable me to have more time. More time to do more podcasts, write more blogs, shoot more videos, and release more books. Basically, I want to make it as painless on your end, but uh, you know, still be able to, to get the time to do more of this sort of work because I know it's helping people. I'm getting comments every day on social media that are, you know, saying, hey, I'm really appreciative, they're just saying thank you, or they're asking me questions, or they're sort of just wanting to connect. So I want to be able to do this much, much more. And the best way you can help me to do that is via supporting me on Patreon. So if you can, head over there. And like I said, if you do support me, I'll answer one of your questions as a part of a podcast, or a blog post, or a video, depending on, you know, my time, and also the type of questions that they are. But there's also some extra benefits there. Um, if you head over, you'll be able to see that if you support me for higher amounts, there'll be some other stuff that you can that you'll be able to get. The other way that you can support this podcast is through the purchasing of my books. I've got a couple out at the moment under the influence, which is the story of my past and my childhood, and a 
sci-fi anthology called Upgrade. I'll put the links to those down below. And just, just a little quick update. At the moment, it's towards the end of September 2018. So I hope to have How to Get Your Shit Together, my self-help book, released soon. I'm in the final stages of editing. It's it's about 48 to 49 chapters and about 100,000 words. My plan is to release it as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And once again, I'll be releasing it like I do everything of mine. It'll be up there, available, ready to purchase if you want to own a copy and you want to support what I'm doing. But I'll also be releasing it chapter by chapter for free over the time in case people just, you know, can't afford or they want to check it out and, you know, read it that way. Because I know that some people just don't have the money. And I know that when I needed the help that's in this book, I wasn't. I I wasn't in a place that I could I could have any any spare income. I was literally surviving off charity handouts and free food. So I get it. So if you're in a place to support, I would really appreciate it. If not, just tell people about it. Say hey, this is a great podcast. These are great videos. Link them. Comment. Let me know you're listening. All that sort of stuff. Thank you. <laughs>